Hey, y'all, if you're enjoying this podcast, take two seconds, send it to five friends. Um, Some of the top episodes would be the self-confidence, masculinity, and the Byron Rogers podcast if you want to send uh, some of the top ones to them. Otherwise, just take 30 seconds and review it on whatever podcast uh, application you use, whether it be Spotify, YouTube, Google, iTunes, Amazon, any of them. Thank you. Today's podcast is brought to you by AssaultLimited.com. Even when you aren't saying anything, you're saying something. Let your gear say the right thing for you. That's where Assault Limited comes in. Assault Limited offers tactical versions of things you use every day. The Assault Pen is a great quality, intimidating looking pen with a pinpoint tip used for self-defense or to break glass. The Assault Spork has so many different tactical uses, we only have time to highlight a few. It's a spoon, a fork, a wrench, a carabiner, and a bottle opener. The possibilities are endless. The Assault Pencils and the Assault Straws, well, they both look pretty badass and they both tell political correctness to take a long jump off a short bridge when you need things and you want them to be the best quality while issuing a statement to anyone else who sees look at assaultlimited.com also sponsoring today's podcast is urban savage urbnsvg.com the best quality apparel available american made t-shirts and sweatshirts that fit great with the quality that will outlast the creepy battery bunny The Date Night Tee, which is the badass's version of the subtle embroidered logo t-shirt that so many of us grew up with. And the hats are 100% American made, not just embroidered here like so many others. Ooh, and those sweatshirts are so damn comfy. The next time you're thinking about scoring a new piece of gear, remember to check out urbnsvg.com. Last but not least, today's podcast is brought to you by A3 Body Protectant. A3 was designed when Martin noticed that Hawaiian surfers who spend their entire lives in the sun had radiant, healthy skin. After plenty of awkward questions about how seriously they take their skin care, he learned the secrets. Hawaii's best secret is now available at A3Equip.com. That's A3EQUIP.com. A3 is a truly natural cream that can be used as a skin lotion, a lip balm, a hair conditioner, honestly, anywhere you want to keep moist and healthy get yours today at a3equip.com all doctors to the er do these guys have any idea what they are talking about talking about talking about get squared away spiritual get squared away emotional get squared away mental Get squared away. Physical. The podcast that'll help you get squared away. We are back. What's up, brother? Ooh, not a whole lot. <sighs> Just podcasting. Podcasting, drinking some podcasting what are these? Fool. RX Fit Aids with Fit creatine. Aid, yeah. The RX. That's the only ones I like. There's not a shitload of crap in it. I haven't tried these yet. This is pretty this is pretty tasty. You can definitely tell it's natural. It's not like drinking something that's I mean delicious, but it's <laughs> it's delicious. delicious. It's delicious in a natural oh, way. What you is know? It, uh, what's the flavor? Sour grape. You know? Yeah, I don't get sour grape out of that. I don't it's that, it's fine. It's good. But it you know what I think they did when they made this? They were like, All right, let's make it, right? And then they made it <laughs> and then they put it out there and they're like, What flavor is it? And the dude at the end of the board table was like Tastes like sour uh, grapes, man. It kind of tastes like sour grapes, and they're like, "That's what fucking flavor it is. It's sour oh, grape." You know, that's funny. I was just gonna say that. I'm like, all these, you know, shitty drinks and supplements. 
I think it's the end of the line when they come up with a flavor, kind of like the protein. Yep. They're like, oh, that's tastes like shit. Uh, it's cookies and cream. It's cookies and cream, right? This is yeah. a little bit of vanilla. It's a vanilla shit ball. Yeah. Shit ball. Yeah. yeah it might be fruity and pebbles. Yeah. And then, yeah, you see all these weird flavors come out and a lot of salted caramel because it all tastes like shit. Yeah. yeah. So we have a we have a friend who's got the cove right now and uh so i sent him the dr mccullough protocol and i and i went to the vitamin shop and got him all the shit that's at the base level of the protocol it's it's zinc sulfate uh vitamin d vitamin c quercetin yeah that might be it but the zinc sulfate the green possibly yeah. yeah but the zinc sulfate there was only one form of zinc sulfate and it was a liquid it was an oil oh really and uh, a serving size was a quarter of a dropper, but the si- the serving that they call for in the in the McCullough protocol is equaled out to two and a half droppers. Oh, so really? I'm on the phone with him as he's trying to take two and a half droppers of this shit, and apparently it is awful. awful. <laughs> he's like, "Oh, it burns! It burns kind of like what do you say? Kind of like apple cider vinegar mixed with shit." Oh man. <laughs> What, what is the zinc? Is that the 30 or 50 milligrams that you got to take in the protocol? Like 200. It's 200? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. It's an obscene amount. Okay. Yeah. It's we'll have to look at that later. 5,000 or 10,000 IUs of D. Um, all right. So zinc sulfate, 220 milligrams. Vitamin D3, 5,000 IUs. Yep. Vitamin C, 3,000 milligrams. Quercetin. 500 milligrams. They're saying 3,000 of C? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I take about 1,000 daily. I take 1,000 of quercetin, which I was, like, surprised. But the EGCG I just started taking. Yeah. And this is this is for the – I mean, it's – like he said, well, well, I take a zinc supplement, but it's only, like, you know, 40 milligrams or something. He's like, yeah. why isn't it this much? And I think that's the thing that we're missing as far as when it comes to supplementation. When you're specifically supplementing for a reason – it's because the body is using that, whatever that supplements creates in your body, your body is overusing that. So it's not like, like if you took 220 milligrams of zinc a day, every day, it would be an obscene amount. And you probably would cause some sort of actual compensatory harm. But when your body is using that zinc to create whatever it creates, as far as the immune system goes, um, it is fulfilling the damage that, or the use that's getting used while it's fighting off whatever it's fighting off. Oh Yeah. Wow, <clears throat> three thousand a C. That's a lot. It is a lot, and there's and there's a lot too. Um, if you go back in a lot of the older Rogan podcasts, um, especially with D and C, there's a lot of like intravenous um, supplementation where you couldn't, your body can't actually process enough to get your levels high enough to cause like therapeutic levels, but yeah. intravenously you can. Now I'm not going to sit at my house and shove a needle in my veins and try to i'll do it i can do it yeah <laughs> <You> <laughs> we should do it in the dark oh thank oh in the dark <laughs> yeah oh, you got practice in the dark good so, that seems like a problem yeah i've done mine yeah good yeah oh yeah well, we'll so just anytime you need some help pick up where you, know, you left off just yeah get that pick sucker up. in there well i know in vegas there was like a there was like a van like an iv van that was going around and you could you could call the iv van and they'd come and pick you up it was like a bus yeah and, they, and it was driving around right and it would pick you up and then it would put it would put an iv in you because you're hungover as fuck right yeah and then it would drive around and pick up another people and by the time it got back around to where your drop off was your iv drip was done they'd pull you out and, and you'd go <laughs> on your way i've seen the iv bars yeah where they hydrate you quick so. Have you ever been to one of those oxygen bars? 
I've walked past them. I've actually never sat on any one of those. I've never sat in on one either. The, the thing with like straight up oxygen is I can see where it's all where it's beneficial, but you're also causing extra oxidation, which is going to cause damage. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know if they're still around. I've seen them in airports, mainly, yeah. but that's it. It's kind of, it's one of those things, right? It comes and it goes like kind of like CrossFit. Like a fast. Hey! <laughs> and Carhartt. Y'all quit wearing your fucking Carhartt because I got to wear my hat backwards so that I don't look trendy. Oh, really? It fucking pisses me. I've been wearing Carhartt since I was 12. So now, uh, let me ask, did the price of Carhartt go up then? Because it used to be a I, I haven't think, a bought anything thing. recently, but yeah, like the hats that I used to buy for $8.98, that's what the price was, $8.98 for yeah. the Carhartt, just stocking caps. And I would buy like three a year because I would lose them, and they're, they're, but they're great hats. They're like fucking 17 bucks now. Oh, really? Now, is that because the brand got trendy or just because of inflation or a combination of both? Well, yeah, I was thinking more on the trendy side, how that just, you know, ooh, that's up some margin here because uh, everybody's buying it. 100%. Plus, you know, they come out with a lot fancier shit now. Like, I'm the straight up old school duck, you know, Carhartt bib overalls. Yeah. I got a Carhartt duck jacket and I got a hat, you wow. know, and now they got sweatshirts and oh, long sleeve. My daughter got like a like a fancy Carhartt. It's like almost like a dress shirt. That's Carhartt, not like cowgirl dress shirt, but like a nice shirt. And it's a weird material. I'm like, oh, that's not Carhartt. Oh, really? Was that's it? them just ordering bulk shit from fucking China and putting their, their name logo on, on it. hundred oh, yeah. percent. It'd be like the next North Face. I mean, that's basically the, you know, but look where Champion was and where it's gone now. That took about, what, two, three years. And now they're like, you don't even see this shit anymore. Oh, really? That's the thing with riding a trend. So, so it's gone now. I it, I feel like it is. I don't know if in you know in the in the mainstream of things, I'm not really attached. But wow. I feel like you don't see near as much of it as you did. Jeez, do you remember the uh, starter jackets? Dude, I wanted to bring that back. So I've thought Are you about serious? this. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've thought about this a few different with a few different brands. Right? They didn't exist. I don't think you can find them anymore. But starter is owned by Converse. And you would never be able to buy. I think it's owned by Converse. It's oh, owned by a that. big. It's owned by a big company because I looked into like. Because my thought was, take something from our childhood, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it should be coming right back around right about now, and then buy the brand for pennies, right? Then relaunch it, but relaunch it with like today's quality and today's usefulness, right? So my few different, I had a few different thoughts. The first was those surf style jackets. You remember those? Uh, they were like iridescent and they said surf style down the sleeve. Yeah, they're, they're actually- They're still a company. They're still a company, but yes. they've changed their logo. So it's yeah. not all rainbowish and so psychedelic. That yeah. was my first thought. I looked into it. They're still a company. They're still a store. There's no way you're going to be able to buy yeah. that brand. So that one goes out the window. I was just there too. Were you? Yeah. yeah. Clearwater. Yeah, I yep. stopped in there. So next thought was the starter jackets. So I get into that, you know, with the pouch, right? It has, it's the, th- the it's the quarter zip with the, with zippers the pouch. With the big, uh, oh, yeah. starter logo. So I look into that now starters owned by a big company. So you're never going to be able to buy that. Right. So my last one was Jinko. Remember Jinko jeans? JNCO. JNCO. They were Those like, big they were like the ridiculous ones? big baggy pants. Right. So my the thought was jeans. Yeah. Yeah. My thought was buy the brand because there really isn't a good jean brand for like our generation, for like our age males. You know, there's not really a good jean brand. You got like Ariat and Silver kind of iffy, but they're, yeah. they get a little fancy. Does our generation care about the brand of jeans they wear anymore? Just, yeah, but you still want a good, you still want them to fit good. You want them to be good quality, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. So my thought was buy the Jinko brand for fucking 20 grand or whatever you could buy it for. It would be, it would be nothing. Take it. 
rebrand it, but make good jeans that are like a good, nice quality fit that are actually like normal jeans, but then use the Jinko because you would have that emotional connection with all the males that are 25 to 45 years old. Well, some fucking asshole in Korea bought the brand already and he's coming back out. But with like the old school, like 30 inch bell bottom Jinkos, like he didn't have the same idea as I did. Yeah. Oh, really? Why don't you buy C. Cavarici and, uh, I don't even know what that is. You don't? Oh, that's you're you're a little older than me. That one's prior to me. Those uh dress pants or they're like pants, but they're you know, the Z Cabarici pants were almost up to your belly button and they had this like real tapered waist and they flare out and then they get really tight on On the, men? On men. Really? Look up Z Cavarici. I'll have to look it up when we're done here. Yeah, they like made the suits, so you know the dude had the Miami Vice kind of looking suits, but with the tapered uh are you that much Baby older pants. than me? I don't fucking, I don't remember that at all. I, I guess you're a, like 13 I got, I years got a older than decade me. Decade plus. Yeah. yeah, that's true. But yeah, so that was, that was, cause I've always been kind of trying to think because that's, that's how shit works, right? It like, it comes, it always comes back. And it's about a 30 year swing when stuff comes back around. So I was like, all right, where, yeah. you know, when I was about seven to 15, like what were some really, really hot things? And those were like the hot things. Yeah. And then, and then the younger generation. They feel like, well, this never existed, you know? Yeah. Or they're like... There's no way that, you know, mom and dad could have wore that. Yeah. Well, I, I've read a few... Uh, I think it was Peter Thiel and Zero to zero to One or whatever. I don't, remember, I don't remember if it was that book, but it was about trends and how trends start. He actually follows, like, some crazy trends that were started. I think he follows the... So it's a 30-year... Yeah, it's like a 30 year swing so. and, it, and it comes back around and it starts with like and then th- they actually break down like where it starts. True. The type of people that are the initial adopters that then start it and then they spread that out to like the the growth people and then the growth people spread it to the mass. And it's it's all breaks it down by like how that that goes. And it's pretty interesting. But wow. I was like, fuck, man, if I could find something and I can't I just can't put my finger on anything that would be nice. if You didn't have to like buy a brand. Right. So if you could just right. like launch something the back idea. out. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Leg warmers. Leg warmers. What about those? Uh, what about those like Aztec kind of like throw over? It's almost like a blanket. Oh, yeah. They're... Remember those? Like everybody went to Mexico with their family and they came yeah, home with one like on. Don Juan, the coffee collector. Yeah. Everybody um, came home with one. I feel like that's already kind of come back out. Are you serious? I think so. I've seen them. You really? Yeah. Oh, I'm not. Walk yeah. through Target and look what's trendy right now for females. You're like, oh, really? Ooh. It's not not a good look. Uh, what, what's trendy for females? Uh, like hobo chic. You kind of look like a ratty bum. Like I don't know what that is. Like can like slouchy canvasy clothes that don't look comfortable. They just look kind of hoboy. Baggy. Yeah, like baggy and shitty and oh really? Not good cuts and I don't know. It's just a weird. It's a weird look. It's a Jeez. weird look that they're working on right now. Wasn't that the eighties? Kind of right, but what are we, you know, we're we're kind of at like 1990, you know, yeah, with the 30 year swing, we're at like late 80s, early 90s. I graduated high school, punk, that's what's gonna come back up next. The early 90s, remember like Nirvana style, right? Oh, you serious? But Doc uh, Martens are back, they're they are. Oh, yeah, Doc Martens are back hot, heavy. How come I, uh, yeah, I don't know any of this. Well, your kids are old enough that you're kind of detached from that now. Like if your kids were still in high school, you'd see it. But oh yeah, no, docs have been for about three, probably two years now. Docs have been like hot again. Oh really? And the funny funny thing is they're like the same price. Yeah. 
They're like the same I've, price I've as they Doc were. Because I've bought Martins for years. So it's like the last five to seven years. And then I'll just get a new pair and then I'll just use the uh, old ones to bum around with. Now you're trendy again. You don't even know it. I've always been trendy, man. Come oh, on. there we go. There we go. <laughs> anyway, we'll roll out of that one. Yeah, right. Roll right into the next. Uh, roll right into philosophy. Fuck. Stoicism. Stoicism. So first, I think we kind of need to like, what is stoicism, right? Because there's stoicism, but stoicism is a philosophy. There's stoicism and hedonism and so many of these other ancient philosophies that like, what are they? What do they mean? And so I kind of Googled a few good definitions and some some details of what, what a philosophy is. And philosophy quite literally means love of wisdom. In a broad sense, philosophy is an activity people undertake when they seek to understand fundamental truths about themselves, the world which they live in, and their relationships to the world and each other. So it's basically looking for fundamental truths or universal truths in our life in our and the the amazing thing about a lot of ancient philosophies is is they were not cemented in time they were cemented in the human condition so they're just as applicable today as they were in you know like early stoicism was like 200 300 uh bc oh yeah so if you think about the fact that a lot of the the fundamental truths about a philosophy like stoicism worked then and they work now in year 2022. Oh yeah. That's, I mean, something, something that's not um, useful or functional or truthful would never make it, you know, 2,200 years, 2,300 years. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's going to fall apart before then kind of like liberalism. Hey, <laughs> just kidding. Throw that jab in. Philosophy is a way of thinking about certain subjects such as ethics, thought, existence, time, meaning, and value. The way of thinking involves four R's, responsiveness, reflection, reason, and reevaluation. The aim is to deepen understanding. The hope is that by doing philosophy, we learn to think better, act more wisely, and thereby improve our quality of life. So to me, what that really, really means is philosophy is like a, like a running system, right? That everything else runs on. Like if you have Windows, everything else runs on Windows. Or if you have a Mac computer, everything else runs on Mac. But the underlying functionality depends on the running system. So you could have a Windows computer that's built for gaming and it could be uh, you know, have all these different gaming apps and all these different, you know, hardware and software, but it's still, it's still a windows based computer and it's all running on windows. And that's kind of where philosophy and especially stoicism has kind of helped me over the last five to 10 years is, and I'm, and, and I'm just a, I'm a baby philosopher. I'm like an entry level ideal philosopher where I don't, I can't even like pull a lot of this info up to be able to talk about it in detail without having sitting down and writing down what my thoughts are. Yeah. I mean, to me, I remember I took philosophy in college and I always looked at stoicism as a, you know, philosophy is like saying that you bought a, bought a car, but stoicism is like, well, I bought a Chevy because to me, stoicism is an actual pursuit of that wisdom, pursuit of that knowledge. You know, that's how you live your life. Philosophy, yeah, I didn't like my professor at all. That was the guy was out there, and that sucks too. When you have when you have a class like that, that you could get so much out of, 
um, well, or he, he, not get he anything out of. Question even basic logic. Yeah. To a point where it's just like, okay, I understand. I get your point. You're trying to make that, you know, you could philosophize about everything, but there comes to a certain point where there's X's and O's and I's and O's, you know, it's just, you know, that's how the world works. Yeah. And when you're starting to question, you know, why the ants build the anthill in the middle of your driveway, are you ignoring the fact that you need to just get rid of the anthill in the driveway? Yeah. Right. Like, you know, it was like, are you really here sitting in this chair? Yeah. And all that. I'm like, okay, I can only do this for so long. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. After a semester, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I could definitely see that. But then there's also something to, you know, something to say for uh, what is the, what is that theory called? Is it not game theory? Where like we're all, if the possibility that this is a simulation, simulation theory, the possibility that this is a simulation is possible. That means it's more likely that it's a simulation than it's not a simulation because the idea that it's not a simulation and it's real is one, but the possibility that it could be a simulation anytime from now to the next infinity years is a, there's a chance every year. So it's more likely that we're living in a simulation than we're not living in a simulation. <laughs> You're getting out there. Yeah. That one, that one, that argument, that argument does get out there, but it's like the idea that it eventually, do you think ever in the, in the development of technology that we could have a virtual reality that is just as real as reality? In the, in the infinite time of development of technology. And I think yeah. we can all agree, yes, the possibility is there, right? Yeah. Now you're getting in the red, blue pill. Yeah, yeah. 100%. But just the, I like the, those like high-minded ideas just to think about, okay, if it's possible, then it's more likely that it is than it's not. And then you're like, well, wait, what the fuck? What, what are you talking about? Yeah. Your stoicism at least has a... There's a path to Stoicism it. Stoicism doesn't matter if this is real or not real. It still has a structure and under... under underpinning fundamental structure that would work whether this is a simulation or reality so um just quick history on stoicism was founded by zeno in 300 bc so that's where we get the time of when this was started um there's basically broken up into three different uh times which would be early stoa which would be third century so a century is 100 years so that would be like 300 to 200 bc so before christ's birth or Birth or death? Death? BC? Yeah. Before birth. Before birth. Okay. Uh, Middle Stoa, which would be 100 and 200, and then late Stoa, which is after the death of Christ. Oh, sorry. That's my dog. (laughs) Um, You're not going to hear much uh, in modern Stoicism of a lot of the early Stoic philosophers uh, like Diogenes, Zeno. Um, What you are going to hear is a lot of the late philosophers, which would be like Seneca, Epictetus, and Marcus Aurelius. Because um, while while the teachings of a lot of the earlier and middle Stoics are very prevalent, there wasn't there really isn't anything that that is still around today. Um, the main Stoic readings that you're going to get or Stoic literature that you're going to get is like the Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, and then a lot of the letters from uh, Seneca, I think, or is it Epictetus? Seneca. Epictetus. Um, I can't even remember which one it is that was the letters. Um, but it, and so that's the thing is you, Oh, Epictetus discourses, a lot of stuff doesn't get maintained throughout time. So that really, you know, Marcus Aurelius, there is a new, um, annotated volume of Marcus Aurelius's meditations, which goes through and it goes through all the books of meditations because it was like seven books. 
but then it actually has like little numbers next to each of the ideas. And then on the bottom of the page, it has the explanation because a lot of it's like that he, he didn't write the meditations um, to be published. He wrote the meditations as it was basically his journal because he was the emperor of Rome and what, probably one of the best emperors in Rome for like 30 years, I think. Yeah. And uh, so a, a, a modern philosopher went back took the entire seven book volume of meditations and then breaks it down to like how it's applicable today and the explanations today so that you're not like, I mean, cause you could read like, especially the first book and you could legitimately read the whole book and not get anything out of it. Yeah. So that one's good. Um, but stoicism kind of breaks down to the four cardinal virtues, which are wisdom, courage, temperance, and justice. So wisdom is subdivided into good sense, good calculation, quick wittedness, discretion, and resourcefulness. Courage is subdivided into endurance, confidence, high-mindedness, cheerfulness, industriousness. And then temperance is divided into good discipline, seemliness, modesty, and self-control. And then justice is subdivided into piety, honesty, equity, and fair dealing. So, I mean, it, it's kind of ironic that we're here on the squared away podcast and it's broken down into four virtues and each of the virtues breaks down into about four different sections inside each yeah. of the virtues. Right. And then inside, so like I said, the pub publications that you're going to get today, um, what really got me onto stoicism was Ryan holiday. The, the daily stoic is I think his Instagram page, but the, oh. one of the first, one of the first books that I read was the ego is the enemy. And then the obstacle is the way. And those are really, really good common stoic writings that have all the application to, a, to, to what we deal with every day today. Yeah. Um, few common things that I like to think about don't practice as much as I wish I would, would be the negative visualization. So one of the big things in stoicism is to think about what could happen so that you are, first of all, prepared if it ever does happen negatively, but also that makes you so much more grateful for the positive things that you have. So you would think about like, what if, I decided not to go hang out with, you know, my friends that wanted to wanted to get together this weekend because I was just being lazy. And then one of them died and you were actually going through the negative visualization of that. Like, how would I feel next week knowing that I got invited to hang out with them? And then on, on, you know, Bill's drive home, he got in a car accident and died. I'd feel right. pretty fucking shitty, you know, and it's that negative vis visualization that, draws you in and pushes you to do things that you should be doing and you know inside that you should be doing but aren't necessarily acting on because of your own inner bitch or whatever so does that apply to like uh disciplines as well would that apply to disciplines elaborate so what if i don't um get on a decent uh meal planning 
in 2022. Yeah, I mean, realistically, right? Like the negative visualization. So let's let's fast forward. So how long would it take if you decided that you wanted to get your shit together today and you put together a meal plan and you started following it? We're looking at probably 90 to 180 days before you really see big changes, right? You're going to see slow changes, but before you could look at a before and after picture and really go, holy shit, right? Yeah. 90 to 180 days. So the negative visualization there would be, how will I feel in six months if I look back and go, I haven't made a fucking change, right? Yeah. How am I going to feel? I'm going to feel pissed off because I like, I should have started six months ago. Yeah. And it kind of leads into, uh, we were just talking about Atomic Habits by James Clear. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people, uh, when you have regrets, is like, man, it's three months down the road, I haven't done anything. But if you're in improving yourself 1% a day, or roughly about that, what what is that three months going to look like? You know, what is that 12 month going to look like? And uh, that, that's a pretty good book that just, yeah, popped in my mind when I was looking at your notes here. So, yeah. Um, one thing which I know I've talked about on the podcast before, which I always have tried to think about how to do with my kids, but I still haven't been able to enact it yet, but voluntary hardship, right? Yeah. So Seneca talked about, um, setting aside a certain number of days where he would live basically on nothing. He would wear the same clothes. He would spend the bare minimum on food just to survive yeah. and live with no extra like abundances. For one, what that does is that shows you after you've made it, let's say, let's say we make it a week, right? Make it an easy week. Okay. And it's really hard in modern day, what we have now to, to say, we're going to live in poverty for a week. Cause we're not going to rent like a shithole in the hood, you know, uh, or, or in the country, a fucking trailer, you know, for a week, but we can make, we can do what we can with, all right, you only get, you know, these two pairs of pants that are ratty and torn and you get these nasty shoes and you get this shit jacket and you have bread and peanut butter and water and that's all we get to have for a week right yeah you get done with that week it does two things it's basically a a a positive and a positive it shows you that if you ever got to that point like if you ever really got to that holy shit point where you had nothing you're just fine you're gonna live you're not gonna die yeah you might not flourish but you're gonna live okay but then it also makes you so grateful for the things that you do have Makes you grateful for being able to open the refrigerator and go, oh, I want some jelly with my peanut butter on my bread. Or I want to pick the good bread versus the shitty white bread. Or I have three different pairs of shoes to pick from, right? Like how often do you get up in the morning and you go to go to work or you go to go to the gym and you're grateful for the fact that you have a a shoe choice? Like that's so dumb. But you have a shoe choice. Yeah, but people don't think about that. No. And that so that's where the voluntary hardship comes in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, voluntary hardship could be other things like this week. I was just talking to a buddy. uh, We were laughing about uh, FNGs. So in your life, if you don't, if you don't, if you're not an FNG in something in your life, then you're not growing is what the the saying is. FNG. FNG is the fucking new guy. Got it. So if you're not, if you're not a, a new guy or new to doing something or trying something like you know, I have to really sit and think about that. Okay, is there portions of my life right now that I'm an FNG in? And a lot of times I still feel like I'm an FNG every day in uh, supplementation, in dieting, and even my workout, you know, almost half a century old. I'm like, man, I'm finding new stuff my body reacts better to that I wish I would have known 20 years ago. 
but hey, guess what? I'm at this point right now. I have to make the best and be the best that I can be at this point. Maybe be that 50 year old that, you know, still has, you know, the capability of a, you know, 30 year old. I have a guy that I talk to all the time. Um, he works on one of my accounts and he has some sort of arthritis. I can't remember what it is, but he's always talking about how he's got to just be able to go into the gym and just give up the fact that he, he's not a big lifter anymore, right? He's got to be able to pick up the five pound dumbbells and get over his ego and just do some five pound dumbbell curls or some five oh, yeah. or some 10 pound dumbbell presses. But you know what? He only ever tells me that he needs to. He never tells me he did. Only tells you so that he, he realizes needs to do that, that he needs to. He realizes that his ego is stopping him from going in and doing those things. Yeah. But he hasn't been able to control it to the point where he actually goes in and does it. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And that's because he's in pain a lot, right? He's got he's got some systemic arthritis that is kind of always there and he gets bad flare up. So he can't pick up the weights he used to. That has extrapolated out for 10 years. So he wouldn't even be able to pick up the weights that he could then, even if he wanted to. Yeah. Right. But he's got to start somewhere. He's got to start somewhere. Yeah, and I think the, you know, FNG is, is a military term, obviously, um, when you're talking about the, even like uh, Rangers, SEALs, Deltas, MARSOCs, you know, when you get through all your, you know, old courses and training and qualifications and everybody's on technically the same page when you graduate, right? But when you get assigned to your platoon or your group or your team, um, you're the FNG and a lot of ways to get rid of that that stigma, you know, because you're going to come and be like, you graduate and you think, oh, I'm, I'm at the top of class. I, I did it. I'm at this, you know, mountaintop. Well, what they're trying to do is eliminate that feeling that you ever feel like you're at the top of your game. Because when you're in operations, you're training all the time. If you're not deployed, you're training. So you're deploy, train, deploy, train, deploy, train. Because you know what? You always have to get better. You always have to teach your teach yourself to basically react with your muscle memory with your training and not to sit on your laurels because when you do that, then all of a sudden that meter starts going down. And, um, so a lot of times what they do is they, they make sure everybody knows that you're the FNG. So, you know, I know guys that have had to wear fluorescent clothing items every <laughs> single day. Right. That's awesome. And there's guys that will bucket because of their ego. And guess what? That FNG stage lasts a lot longer, than, longer. and you're going to get your ass kicked. But if you accept the fact that, you know what, hey, I'm an FNG in this and apply this to your regular life, you know what, I, I'm an FNG, I'm going to show up at the gym and I could be 360 pounds, incredibly overweight, I haven't seen my dick in five years and you know what, but I'm going to do it. Guess what? I have a lot of respect for you, man, to show up and do that. I love telling those people there's 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 a couple that comes into the gym every morning or five mornings a week, whatever, and they're big and they're making some progress. And and I told him the other day, I'm like, I have a fucking mad amount of respect for you guys because you showed up and you started coming and you've been coming for four months. Oh, yeah. And they and you they were clearly like not they're not gym people, but they're doing it. Yeah. And a year later, I've seen a lot of people that, you know, when they started, it's like, holy shit. But, you know, immediately you start judging in your mind. But you're like, you know what? Uh, they got their asses in here. Yep. And a year later, you see the shape that they're in. They're healthy. And um, when I used to train, I had a couple that basically never lifted before. and But the husband had just taken to it. And it was like a year and a half later. You couldn't tell the difference if you took a day one picture to, you know, the day 300 and some whatever. 
And he was just, uh, he found something and he made himself better. And because of that, I mean, you couldn't even recognize him from what he was. And it wasn't just physically, but mentally it yeah. changed him. So, yeah, you know, find something to, that you're an FNG in every day. I love that. I mean, I'm in the middle of something right now that I'm very, very new to. And I'm learning a lot of places that I fucked up. And it's like, oh, okay, well, what is live that? and you learn. You live and you learn, you know. What is that? Oh, just, just stuff, you know, supplement, <laughs> supplementation stuff and training yeah. stuff and just big, big changes, you know. And it's like, oh, well, now I know. Yeah. Now I know. But I think it's a key. I mean, that's part of stoicism is when you get to a point where you feel like you can put yourself in a situation, put the ego aside. And you know what? I'm the FNG in this, you know, like a couple of days ago, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to learn this brand new. I don't have to, but, you know, it's for benefit of me and the people that, you know, I could do a product for is uh, learn a new CMS system for for web development. And I'm not a web development guy. I had to teach myself that, you know, a few years ago. But it's it's a it's a fucking pain in the ass to learn something new that has so many variables to it. Yeah. And guess what? You're going to be sitting there debugging a lot because yeah. you just you don't know. And yeah. you have to get on all these forums. You have to search out that knowledge. But when you overcome that hill, it's still going to be tough. This is continued learning, continuous improvement. But it's um. It's, it's made your mind that much sharper. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, you know, you're not going to procrastinate on that book that's sitting, you know, next to your bed. And also you're like, you know what? I just overcame this. I can read for another, for two hours straight yeah. on something else. Yeah. I've never been a, I've, I've never had a problem shying away from being the fucking new guy. Like I just, one thing is I'll dive head first into something that I'm very, very unknowing you know, yeah. very, very unaware of and, and dig everywhere I can and try to get info from everybody I can to, to learn whatever that thing is. Yeah. So the sooner you put that fluorescent, you know, vest on or yeah, hat on, yeah. guess what? The faster you're going to start overcoming things, yep. but the more you bucket, you're going to be two, three years down the road. Uh, just like you were talking about, it's like, wow, if I would have done this three months ago, what if, Yeah. you know, so uh, another aspect of stoicism is the dichotomy of control. Epictetus taught us that things that are within our power, some things are within our power and some things are not. And then we should only conserve our concern ourselves with things that are within our power. And uh, that's an interesting, that's an interesting one and very, very, very hard. And that's a daily practice. Um, you are in traffic and somebody is clearly in a hurry because they're probably late for work and they cut you off. Should that bother you? No. It shouldn't because you didn't do anything. You can't change anything to change that situation, right? He already cut you off. He's already five cars up. You're going to sit there pissed off or you're going to let it go. It's going to fucking flutter away. You're never going to think about it again. And you're going to get back to wherever your train of thought was. And it's little things like that that aren't easy. You're yeah. not going to get them every time. Yeah, but not easy. maybe tomorrow you'll get it. You know, maybe tomorrow you get it a little bit easier. <laughs> and then the next day, a little bit easier. And it's, and there's oh. so much. And, and I do a, a 365 day daily stoic journal. And one of the things is, is what can you control and what can you not control? And it's like, really, I can only control very few things that happen to me in a day. I can control my effort and I can control my direction that I put that effort. But can I control the, you know, can I control if a hundred people send this podcast out to 10 people each? No, I can't control that. I can ask. Yeah. I can ask the first hundred people that hear this, Hey, send it out to 10 people. 
you know, we want this to be gigantic. We want it to help so many fucking people, but I can't make people do it. Yeah. And I can't get upset if they don't. All I can do is try to create the absolute best content that we can and get it out to as many people as we can. And hopefully it grows. Yeah. That's all you can do. I mean, going back to your vehicle, the driving experience, I think that's probably my biggest struggle because I don't, I don't know if it's the society nowadays or if I'm just becoming hypersensitive, but are people the worst fucking drivers now? I think it's a combination of attention, right? Like people have such a short attention span that they'll pick up their phone 17 times to drive from here to the gas station. Right. They pick it up. They look at it. They put it down. They pick it up. They look at it. Yeah. Yep. 100% of that. So it's a lot of that. And then I think it's also, there might be a little bit with the fact that you didn't have to actually take a driver's test for all of COVID to get your license. That could have something to do with it. All you had to do is get your parents to sign a piece of paper. So it's an attention and it's also selfishness. Yeah. I I think there's a lot of people. The zipper merging. uh, Yeah. Fiascos. Yeah. Happen. Yeah, nobody will zipper merge anymore. It's just like the me first. And, you know, and sometimes, uh, unfortunately, we drive big trucks. Yeah. But there's some dudes. Well, I'm in a Honda Pilot in the winter, so. (laughs) There's some dudes with the big trucks out there when I'm in my Lexus that would just barrel up on your ass. And, you know, if they got the big diesels with the, the five inch, you know, exhaust out the back. For some reason, they have to let it know every time they pass you. You guys want to laugh. There's a there's a short like 15 second video on YouTube of this girl at some fucking country festival, country USA or something. And she gets her head stuck in a guy's diesel pipe like she no. gets it shoved in there because she gets a bet that she couldn't make it fit. And she made it fit. and It got stuck. Are you serious? Oh, 100% a, a serious. Yep. Oh, man. That's 100% brutal. serious. Man. But yeah, I mean, that's oh gosh, it's the hardest thing for me because it's just like, man, if. In my mind, I'm thinking, you know, if we got out of the vehicles right now, I'd beat your ass and us and be like, okay, stop. Yep. You have to release the things that are out of your locus of control. And it's, it's tough, but it's a, it's a very, very good thing to get in your mind. Right. Um, like I even think about uh, if a friend does something that, that really pisses you off, you know, maybe you were supposed to do something with them and, uh, they completely forgot about it and they made plans with somebody else, right? Like that's upsetting, but that was out of your control. What could you have changed? Maybe you could have reminded them, but that was out of your control. So it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that you don't change your actions in the future, right? But it means that you don't, you're not emotionally connected to the negative things that happened to you and also not emotionally connected to the positive things that happened to you. And that one's even weirder because it's like, explain that one. So, um, somebody that has, been successful someone that's that's you know very successful because they you know maybe they took maybe they took a few risks early in life but also the same there's probably 500 other people that you know that took similar risks that it didn't pan out but the one guy that it did pan out because whether he was lucky or the connections that he had from family or whatever right he made he made the choices to make those we'll say you know magic number of two risks right and he's successful now He's self-made. He's all this, you know, big ego because he has made it. Well, yeah, but you also had a connection to 500 other amazing people because of your family. You started off with a very successful base. You had a father that taught you all these things, right? Like you're self-made, but you have to also a person, a person that is stoic in their successes 
understand that it's a combination of them and a whole lot of other magic that happened that they had not a fucking thing to do with. And they're grateful and mindful of that magic that happened. Not just yeah. not just sitting on their successes as they as it's all them. Right. Like yeah, we stand the idea of standing on the shoulders of giants is kind of that whole that whole idea of being mindful and not emotionally connecting yourself to your successes just as much as your failures. No, it's true. Uh, Memento Mori, one of my favorites. Memento Mori translates to remember you must die and we're all going to die and we're all going to pay taxes and we're all going to shit. That's about like the three things that are going to happen to all of us. Death in Texas. Right. And uh, the fact if you if you can remember every morning when you wake up that it could be your last morning waking up. Um, you can't live like it's your last day necessarily because there's a lot of fuckets that you would just throw out there if it was your last day. You oh, have to, yeah. it's a it's a balancing act, right? It, like everything else in life, it's it's balance. But the idea of uh, memento mori is that today could be your last day if if your you know if your daughter asks you to to play with her or your friend asks you to come hang out with them or your wife wants to grab a drink with you after work or you had a bad day at work and you're coming home are you gonna you know what if you what if you acted like a shithead for the next three hours at your home everybody went to bed and then you didn't wake up the next day yeah and and that idea that idea of memento mori always kind of sitting in there and always kind of resonating keeps you as much as possible living the truest that you can yeah Never, uh, never go to bed angry. Yeah. Uh, Morfati is a newer one to me. Love of fate. Basically, the idea is do not seek things to happen the way you want them to happen. Rather, wish that what happens happens in the way and then it'll you'll be happy. Basically, it's just loving the things that happen to you, whether they're good or bad. And and that one's a that one's a newer idea to me. I haven't thought through that one far enough to be able to really elaborate on it. Um, but it's an interesting idea. Sometimes you got to embrace the bad. I think a lot of times people don't take action in their life because they're afraid something bad's going to happen. But, um, you know, I was always, you know, I was in another conversation too that we were just joking about, you know, some of the shit we used to do, but we laughed. And the final line we said was, you know, if you're not, if you're not at a pucker factor of 10, you know, or anytime you're at a pucker factor of 10, you're on the brink of something. Whether it's going to be really, really good or it could be really, really bad, but you can't be scared, you know, to be that because you're you're on the verge of greatness. And by greatness, I don't mean you're going to be, you know, some TV uh, celebrity or anything. It's just. You ever read uh, Stephen Pressfield's War of Art? No, I have heard of it because okay, it's like so Stephen, spin of the art Stephen, of war. Yep, yep. So Stephen Pressfield's War of Art is like he he focuses in on that resistance, and that resistance is like that last little bit that whatever it is, whatever that last little magic bit is that is so hard to overcome, you've put in so much work into, into the project and that last little bit that you're like, yeah, your, your mind is telling you to put it off or, you know, it's the, it's the business, the guy that wants to start the business that puts in, you know, five years of endless effort. And then he just gets burnt out and gives up where it might've been the one next product that he created that was going to blow him into this hemisphere or it's that it's that last little bit of resistance and that is the war that you that you face every day and and i get it i get it with all the time man i get it with the podcast i get it with my my daily life at work i get it everywhere where it's just like fuck i just want to or i'm in the middle of a project like a home project right and i'm like 
I'm almost done with the trim. I have like five more pieces of trim to cut and stain. And I'm like, I'm just going to put that off till tomorrow. Motherfucker, just spend the next hour, get it done. Then you can do something else tomorrow. Oh, yeah. I deal with that shit all the time. Yeah. No, I totally understand that. I, I have a lot of friends that, you know, just sometimes they get so terrified to try something or to do something that, you know, nine times out of 10, they don't do it. And by that, it's just little things like uh, trying to eat something. You know, it's like, well, okay, it's not going to kill you. You can try it, but how in the world do you preconceive that in your mind that you know it's going to be bad just because the Pocky One Chip Challenge might fucking kill you? Pocky One Chip? Yeah, that was awful. The P A K I? P A Q U I. One Chip Challenge. Oh, was that the heat? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that might fucking kill you. Okay, that, not that talking was about awful. That. Yeah, those are, those <laughs> that, are like that contests. Yeah. I was finger banging sour cream, just rubbing it all over yeah. the inside of my mouth, trying to get over that. But no, I know what you mean. I'm just fucking around. Oh. Uh, another idea of stoicism is social responsibility, which is basically the idea of what's not good for the hive is no good for the bee, right? We're here for the, we're here for the human race and to benefit the human race. Um, I remember that all the time with doing this podcast is like, I'm not doing this for me. Um, I get feel goods when somebody tells me that it's really helped them or somebody reaches out and they're like, Hey, I listened to the, you know, I listened to the last episode and this really helped. Or I listened to the last episode and I bought this book and I get those messages all the time and they're fucking awesome. I love them, but that's not what I'm, I can't, I can't live on that in here. I need to remember that I'm doing this to, to the rising tide lifts all boats. And the, you know, the fact that I can, I can do a book a week and do all this, um, research and it's my responsibility and that's my gift that i'm giving to the world to take this information and put it out there um because if i help five people then that's that's fucking five thousand times or 500 percent what i could have done by myself yeah right debunking misconceptions i say we do a pretty good amount of that on here (laughs) right Yeah, just just go back in the other episodes. You've got about 100 examples. CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, um, is akin to stoicism. Basically, if you want to go back and do some research on cognitive behavioral therapy, basically, it's, it's, it, is, um, it is one of the most successful therapies for any sort of mental issues that you have. Um, and CBT has been known to be more successful than like SSRIs and stuff like that for actual depression and anxiety. And it's when you stop taking the medication or when you stop doing CBT, the, uh, it actually lasts versus when you stop taking, you know, a medication, you're fucked. Yeah. Meditation. We've done a umpteen million talks about meditation and how fucking important it is. Um, so that right there is is the breakdown of stoicism that is such a bullet pointed highlighted list that it's one of those things it's just like anything else whether you want to talk about um music theory or jujitsu or mechanics or engineering or anything all these things the more you know the less you know and once you take that you take that butter knife and you scoop that top little layer of fat off like we just did and you look in and you're like oh fuck there is so much much more in here right but that's that's the fun of it it's like uh it's like cooking 100 percent hundred percent. I was thinking the other day, the FNG thing that I think I might challenge myself is to find out how to bake. I can cook shit. Yeah. I can't bake anything to save a life of me. So my, my explanation, I'm a cooker. My wife's a baker. I'm a, I'm a cooker. It's cooking is an art. Cooking is cooking, cooking is and baking. Isn't that the same thing? No, they're not even close to the same thing. And here I'll explain to you why, why I'm a cooker and my wife's a baker. I'm a cooker. 
I can grab a, I can take a dish, whatever that dish is. And I'm going to do, I'm going to put my artistic essence on that dish. And I might switch a garlic for an onion powder. I might switch a turkey for a beef or I might do all these different things and it's going to become this magical amalgamation. And I'm not amazing at cooking, but I'm a decent cook. Um, I might, I might pan fry something before I bake it or whatever. Right. Yeah. Baking is chemistry. Baking is science. Baking is exact measurements. You can't ask, you can't, I'm going to put a little bit more baking soda in. I'm going to put a touch more sugar into this. I'm going to, maybe I'll switch the baking powder out for baking soda. Maybe I'll switch the butter for coconut oil. Like baking is a strict, a strict chemistry experiment. And that's why my wife is an amazing baker because she follows directions to a fucking T. Whereas I'm like, Hey, do you want to make burgers tonight? And I'll get home. She's like, I got the burger thought. Right. And I'm like, Oh, well, how, what am I feeling today? I'm going to open up the spice cabinet. I'm going to be like, all right, what do I fucking feel like? How do I feel like seasoning these burgers? Do I want to pat them? Do I want like a loose burger? Do I just want to slice them? I don't fucking know. I'm going to, it's going to depend on where I'm at. Do I want to pan fry them or do I want to grill them? Yeah, do I want a kick to them or do I yeah, want to just, you know, yeah, salt and, these are and pepper all, tonight? And this, is the, this is the magic dance of, of, of cooking versus baking, right? And baking, yeah. baking is fairly strict, 375 degrees for 20 minutes or until you stick something in it and it comes out, that means it's done, right? Whereas like if I'm going to cook it, I might want my noodles a little al dente. Right. Or I might want my steak a little bit less done, whereas he wants a steak a little bit more. Nobody, nobody has cake and they're like, I think I'd like this cake a little bit less done. Right. Well, I like my cookies crunchy. You fucking weird, though, too. I know my my baking skills. I mean, so far I'm over two. So I I fucked up with uh, making cookies because I didn't understand the difference between baking soda and baking powder. Yeah, really. That'll really fuck up some cookies. Yeah. Yeah. So the cookies ended up being, I think they did not flatten out. They did not get crispy. And I was like, oh, okay. You can't just substitute like nope. we do when we cook, you know, yeah. meat. Yeah. Then the other one was, uh, I like, I love apple crisp. Okay. It's not the apple. Yeah. It's the crisp. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I can do this. I'll just make, you know, three times the level of a crisp. <laughs> and I'll cut the, the apples in half, right? <laughs> yeah. How'd that work? Well, I ended up being this huge, you know, six by nine of just crust. It was one big cookie when it was done. You couldn't even cut through that thing. That's when <laughs> I learned crispy. how much butter goes into that, It too. was crispy. It was crispy, all right. Yep. But, yeah, it was a solid. I mean, worse than biscotti. So. Yeah. So, yeah, I think this year I'm going to learn to, you know, healthy baking with, yeah. like, almond flour and stuff. Yeah. But, you know, learn how to follow a recipe. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's the biggest difference there. But, no, you'll be the, you'll be the FNG yeah. in the baking. I mean, I think, I think we covered stoicism enough, at least to give people an idea of how it could be functional and useful in their day. So um, when you call somebody stoic, so there's stoic lowercase s and stoic uppercase s. And the okay? difference is uh, stoic lowercase s is a district is a descriptor. It is a um, would be an adjective, right? So if someone is stoic, it's an adjective. Um, if someone is a stoic, it is a proper noun. Ooh, that's a stretch on my so the, ability. The, that's a stretch on my English ability. So don't fucking hold me to that. Wow. And but you're English. If you are, <laughs> yeah. If you are a stoic, you are someone that practices the philosophy of stoicism. If you are stoic, you um, lack 
showing emotion or possibly feeling emotion. And so that's where the difference between a stoic or a practicing stoic comes from being stoic. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Important to know. Yeah, for sure. Stoicism as a philosophy is useful. Being stoic can be useful in certain situations like playing poker. But um, if you're not actually a practicing stoic, you're just masking your emotions. Then that really doesn't have any benefit. Yeah. We have like this little thing here that's breaking down the day of, of a stoic and all the ways that stoicism could improve your bed and showering and dressing and breakfast and social media and commuting. But I really, I mean, I think that I don't think we need to really go through this. I don't know that it's any actual useful because everybody's day is going to be so different. And if you understand the main tenets of what we talked about, um, I think you're going to be able to understand what I will do. What I will do is go back through that, that separation of, um, of stoicism into the four values again. Um, the four cardinal values, which I know we talked about cardinal values and, and, and really understanding your own cardinal values as, as a person. But, um, the cardinal values that go along with stoicism would be wisdom and wisdom is divided into good sense, good calculation, quick wittedness, discretion and resourcefulness. So this would be your intelligence, your ability to find information, your ability to sift through uh, shitty information and find the good information within the shit. It would be your discretion, which is your ability to kind of uh, control your knowledge as to when it is useful. And your resourcefulness would be like your um, basically your problem solving, right? Kind of detailed problem solving. Um, And then your courage. Courage would then be subdivided into endurance, confidence, high-mindedness, cheerfulness, and industriousness. Um, I mean, that would really be just your ability to your ability to to make it through, and your ability to keep going, yeah. your ability to be be confident in the process, right? And and understanding that while you're while you're what is it? Um, what what was I thinking of? I heard something the other day. If you hit, oh, a stone breaker, right? A stone breaker will hit a stone with a chisel 500 times before it breaks. And it's one crack on that 500th hit that looks like it broke the stone, but it wasn't. It was the, it was the accumulation of all 499 hits before that that set it up for that one stone to break. And it's not, you know, when, when this podcast explodes and goes huge, it's not going to be podcast, you know, 79 or 120 that makes it go huge. It's going to be every single one up until that, that grows the audience and builds the respect in, in our ability to disseminate knowledge and our ability to motivate and inspire that builds it up to that. And that that's, that's where the courage comes in and and trusting the process. It's at 1% a day. Yeah. Um, that temperance and temperance is subdivided into good discipline, seemliness. Would you Google seemliness? I don't even know if I know what seemliness Seemliness is. S E E M L I N E S S. Um, modesty and self-control. So that would be good discipline. We know what that is. Modesty is, is never being, never being cocky, right? Confidence comes from competence. 
So you're confident in your ability, but you're not cocky. That is, that's where modesty comes in. And then self-control is basically being able to um, hold yourself accountable and control what you're doing. Seemliness. Got anything from seemliness? Seem, they go seamless, seam lines, seam line. Motherfucker, seamliness. Well, whatever. We'll have to come back to that. that. Spell that S E A M. No, S E E M L I N E S S. All right. There it is. A sense of propriety and consideration for others. So, propriety would be ownership, correct? Grace. Yep. So ownership and consideration for others. Okay. Yeah. That works with temperance. That's, that's right along line with temperance and then justice, which would be subdivided into piety, honesty, equity, and fair dealing. And, um, I mean, I think everybody can figure out why that's important, right? If, and the thing is, is the person that doesn't deal in fair dealing or is not honest and does not hold themselves accountable has no problem with this. They can be a total douchebag and do everything behind people's backs and be slimy until yeah. the minute, until the minute, the minute that they realize that that has an effect on themselves also emotionally. Yeah. And then once that f- switch is flipped in their head, they'll never be able to act like that without negative emotion again. Well. Wow. That's an interesting one. So until it affects them. Until and until they are aware, until they're personally aware enough. And then once the minute that they become, it's kind of like. Self-awareness. It's kind of like the personal responsibility that we talk about, right? Like yeah. you are not, you are not to blame for your current circumstances, but you are responsible for your current circumstances. And once you learn the difference between blame and responsibility, you are able to say from today, this moment, right this second, at whatever fucking time it is right now, I am responsible for where I go. I am responsible for where I will be a day from now, two days from now, a month from now, a year from now. Yeah. But until you get to that point, it's somebody else to blame. So our job is to bring everyone to that point of personal responsibility. Well, that's good. <clears throat> I think this daily schedule thing, that'd be nice to somehow you could post it because give some people a example of how to make everything that you do in a day meaningful. Yeah, I can, I'll put a, I'll put the link to the daily schedule. I got to find it again. Um, I'll put a link to the daily do, uh, stoic daily routine in the in the podcast notes so you can just click right through and i think the podcast notes they work for on me on spotify um if anybody uses a different application that they don't seem to work the best in let me know and i can figure out how to improve that but really um we're here to help you guys so if if there's anything you guys really want to you want to know more about you want to learn more about something that you are like hey i really am having a hard time picking up meditation could you give me more you know just fucking ask yeah if anybody knows how to bake uh, really well, shoot me some uh, good recipes. Right. Natural baking, healthy baking. Healthy baking, yes. That's a tough one. Yeah, gluten-free. So you're going to have to what you're where you're going to have to go is like paleo baking books. Oh, really? Yeah. That's where you're going to that's probably where you're going to be is like paleo baking. 
because like you're going to be crunchy using, too. So that's a problem with uh, yeah. You're going to be flowers. using like almond flours and stuff like that, which makes shit way more dense. And it's a lot of that is trial and error. Yeah, and how do you get it crunchy without using? Can you use ghee? Can you use coconut oil butter? I don't know. Yeah, all learning. Yep. All right, you savages, have an amazing day. All right, so.